This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Huxdale Radio. I'm Chris Hambling and I'm your host tonight as we look back at Palace making themselves pretty much safe in emphatic fashion against Leicester City at Southampton Park. A top-class display from the Eagles saw them run out 5-0 winners with goals from Zaha, MacArthur, Loftus-Cheek, Van Arnholt and Teke. I'll introduce the panel in just a moment but we also want to hear from you. Head to holradio.net forward slash contact to find out how. Back in just a moment. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. Um, hello, everybody. So in case you didn't hear that through the incredibly loud music, um, we're here to talk about Palace beating Leicester 5-0. Uh, let me introduce my panel. I'm going to start. We've got a special guest today. Uh, uh, I don't what do we want to call this, really? It was, uh, it was pay- what do we call it? It wasn't Patreon. What did we use? Fun- GoFundMe or something like that. Um, but Simon, you put a certain amount in and you get to be on the show. Fantastic. Really pleased to be here. Really excited. And hopefully I can talk some sense, which will be unique for me. Yeah, we don't want that, do we? So Simon <laughs> Pizzi is your full name. I went to school with Simon Pizzi. You're not that one, right? I'm probably not that one, though. But no. that's pretty unique, though. There's not many of us around, so... No, no, it's very, very, very weird. It is. <laughs> but, um, so, um, it is weird. Yeah, it is. So it's, a, it's a good name, strong name. And uh, you did the London Marathon, didn't you? How did that go? So, it was awesome. It's probably the best thing I've, I've ever done, especially getting a cheer from a Palace fan after about mile 16. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, no, it was, it was amazing. And not as quick as Tim, though. Tim Warren from the show, he, he was mega quick. But um, no, it was an experience. And that's all Tim does. He just runs continuously. He's running now, <laughs> right now. He just runs around his living room in continuous circuits. It's just like a shark. They die if they don't stop moving. Tim's very much like that. I don't know what happens to him. But uh, anyway, cheers, Simon. We'll talk more in a minute. Also on the panel, we've got Dr. Kernas. Hello. Hello. Superstar of Love Sport Radio and various other things, right? Um, Am I? <laughs> yeah, good, right? <laughs> <laughs> Seem nice and up for it today. Glad to hear it. 
<laughs> and as a late replacement, but don't let that, you know, make him seem any less important. It's Mr. Mike Scott. Evening no, no. I, I I didn't do the London Marathon. Um, <laughs> I, I did walk to the off-licence where I found that Holston Pills has gone up by 10p. Oh, mate. So that's my weekend. <laughs> other, than, other than the football, that's that's my weekend. Oh, it's just, well, that has brought us back down to earth, hasn't it? Uh, well, it, it was a round number before. It was a pound. Now it's a pound ten. So, yeah, yeah, it hurts. But I'm all right. Yeah, yeah good. No, I'm glad to hear it. No, but obviously, that has, right. has taken the edge off the weekend. But we did manage to beat uh, Leicester 5-0. And we'll be talking about that in just a moment. A couple of points of order. Um, we do Love Sport Radio show every Thursday, 7 till 9. You can listen online or um, via DAB or indeed whatever that is, AM558, I think it is, uh, in and around London. But uh, it's been a lot of fun. Do tune into that. It's very different to the two shows we do, as in the preview and the review show. Um, most of it's about food. Um, <laughs> and we just, it's a little bit of a chance for us to uh, to relax, have someone else um, sort of host and um, have a bit of fun with it. And there'd be no point doing it if it was the same as the rest of the show. So hopefully, if you haven't been tuning in, please do so. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Um, and, uh, yeah, you should be able to download, download that every week on the normal feed as well. Uh, there was no preview show this week, um, obviously, but that will be back again. Terence just struggled uh, to get everyone together to do it, unfortunately. Sometimes it does happen. A uh, bit of a shame, but, you know, obviously a good result again. So it seems to be when they don't do a preview show, there's a good result. I'm not, not saying we have to drop the preview show, but it does feel like we do. Uh, one final point. Um, Mutton Rolls were again responsible for a fantastic win. Um, I think that's 18 wins, two draw or four draws. And, um, I don't know. It's a lot. We've only ever lost once. Um, as Nav has kindly pointed out on Twitter, I managed to eat the entire restaurant this week. So, um, and we won five nil. So it seems the more I eat, the more goals we score. So <laughs> I'm genuinely terrified about that, but you know, I'm committed. Uh, so hopefully I don't die uh, from overeating for the next couple of weeks and we finish the season off very, very strongly. So, gentlemen, we we start as we normally do by looking at the lineup, And um, I want to very quickly sort of draw attention to, it wasn't just uh, within our own sort of confines, but I think the wider world of Twitter as well before the game kicked off saw the lineup announced with no changes. And there was a bit of negativity, but negativity and a bit of sort of hesitancy so once again Joel Ward keeping out um Wan-Pasaka, uh and once again foregoing a natural striker to play Townsend and, and Zaha up front so without the benefit of uh, of hindsight and Simon I'll start with you put you straight under pressure uh, without the benefit of hindsight when you saw that lineup, what did you think? I think the first when I saw it, I was a bit concerned. Actually, I, I wanted to see Benteke back in the team. So, you know, living up in Leicester and seeing Leicester play quite a lot. I'm, I'm wary of the two massive beasts of centre-backs, whether it be Hoof or Maguire or Morgan. I thought Benteke, we needed to be up there and sort of challenging for, for balls. But actually, I think I quickly realised that the pace of Zaha and Townsend up front you know, negated the need for him. So, yeah, I was a bit, a bit concerned. I was actually all right with Ward. I, I thought he despite everyone else thinking he had a bad game at Brighton, I thought he did all right, actually. And I was all right seeing him in the team. Well, and we'll definitely come back to Ward in a minute because it's a, it's a good point you raised. And a lot of people, I don't know, well, a lot of people will be talking about the, the goal line clearance and we'll get into that in a sec. But just a bit of a reaction from you, DR. Same, same line-up again. Uh, I know in particular you've been bothered about the right-back situation that, um, that Simon was referring to. 
Yeah, I think it's only Joe Ward that really um, upset me. But I was not that shocked because even though in the Watford game, he didn't have the best of perform- performances, um, we still managed to keep a clean sheet. So I was not that shocked when Roy picked him. But I would I would have liked before um, the game started to see Juan Bissaka in the lineup instead of Joe Ward. Other than that, I had no problems. So, I mean, going off, moving on from that, Mike, I mean, the, the way we're playing uh, with Townsend and Zaha, you know, we've talked before in the show, and I think my, my view is that it, it works if we're playing a game where we're not being forced to play the ball long from the back, if we're not being sort of pressed. And Leicester didn't really press us and allowed us to play that game. Do you think that kind of played into our hands a little bit? Yeah, it played into our hands. I, I can't imagine that Hodgson would have worked out in advance that they were going to be, you know, that lackadaisical, really. Um, it, it was just about perfect that they didn't really press. Zaha was really far up the pitch and that allowed the midfield to play quite far up. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the only reason that he started with the same lineup is because he's quite old school and if you've won and drawn, you, you stick with the same side. Um, I think everyone's favourite spot at the moment is sort of second-guessing Hodgson's reasons for doing stuff, but I think literally he's just he's just old school. If he did well the previous games, he sticks with it. Um, and I, I can only think that's the reason he went with them two. Yeah, it's, it's a topic that um, it's, it's pre- pretty much my only... I don't even want to call it a gripe anymore because I'm being consistently proved wrong by Roy Hodgson, so I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I think he's... he's and every week he's just making it making it clear that, you know, the man of his experience and knowledge as a, as a, as a football manager and coach... You know he knows what's best, and just because you know I get a little frustrated at times, thinking for God's sake make a sub, or you know we want to see the younger players in. You know he, he's shown that you know he can he can kind of stay the course. You know the most important thing for us was getting ourselves safe. We've basically done that now, and um, he's done it by picking the team that he thinks is the right team to do it. And you, you know, as a supporter, you've got to, you kind of got to take that really. Um, yeah, and deep down, I've, I think probably all of us wouldn't have bet against him picking the same side. I mean, if, if I was going to put cash down, if if they'd have offered money on the app I use, I probably would have betted the same side just because I, I do feel like I can second-guess Hodgson quite a lot of the time. Yeah. Probably wrong, but... <laughs> well, he's, um, like I say, he's got, he's got a real good habit of um, making me feel very, very stupid. And I'll talk a bit more about that when we get to sort of the half-time discussion. And I'll tell you what I was thinking at that point. But... Um, so yeah, again, so consistent lineup. Um, but the first thing that happened in the game, guys, we, it could have all gone very, very differently. Um, so Joe Ward's knocked the ball back to Wayne Hennessy. Um, Hennessy, you know, passing it out to Sacco. So Sacco's dropped into kind of the left back position as a, you know, it's a clear tactic. So we don't have to hit it long because again, we haven't. We know, as we've just talked about, Leicester have got two massive centre backs. No point in smashing the ball long unless we're trying to hit the channels on a on a counter attack or something like that. So Sacco's dropped in deep, and Simon he's he's done a Sacco, hasn't he? Played Hennessy into all sorts of trouble. I know he likes to keep us on our on our toes. I couldn't believe it when when, when I saw that. I thought, oh no, no! First few minutes of the game, Vardy there, you know. But actually, again, Hennessy. I know it's a bad word, shouldn't use it, but he played really well and actually came off his line really quickly and and, and actually anticipated the mistake in a way so now it's, it's relaxed at the end of it yeah decisive action there DR from from Wayne Hennessy and it's another clean sheet for him is he he's sort of playing himself into a bit of form towards the end of the season isn't he 
Yeah, and it's not getting uh, much of a mention as well. It's been everyone's been quite um, quiet about it. I don't know why. I've been critical. You've been critical, of course, in the past. All of us, well, majority of the Palace fan base don't really rate him. But yeah, he has been getting into a good type of form recently. But can you keep that up? Because with Hennessy, the problem is his consistency. And if he can continue that till the end of the season, that would be good. Um, as you said, I think on Love Sports Show uh, that he might, I think he's renewed his contract. Um, so. Let's not discuss that. <laughs> yeah, but let's if he does renew his contract, um yeah, and if. we need we need yeah, we need we need them kind of we need them kind of performance in next season as well. So yeah, it's good from him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I you know, I've been really, really encouraged to see him be a bit more decisive. Mike, do you think there's been a bit of coaching there for since Dean Kylie came in to try and get Hennessy to be a bit more dominant in that penalty area? Because there seems to have been a change. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I know nothing about coaching, obviously, but I, I, if you do stand there before the game starts, you do see him knocking balls in, and he, he does seem to just be trying to instill confidence into him, and it, that does seem the main thing that Hennessy needs. Um, I reckon all the confidence he needed for this game was to compare himself to Ben Hamer down on the other end. He had, I, I think it was his first game in, in forever. Or, he had a shocker. Um, so, you know, all Hennessy needed to do was think, oh, I'm glad I'm not in. Um, but yeah, I think Dean Kylie obviously has done does some work on him. Um, just the change in the standard of his um, going for crosses seems, compared with earlier in the season, seems like proof to me. Absolutely. So we got away with the one a bit there, gents, and it was, um, you know, it was good to see um, that we were switched on that early, even after a, a little mistake from from Sacco there. It actually went on to have a, a very good game, like pretty much everybody else in the team. Um, but we also, straight after that, sent out a warning to Leicester about what we were going to be about. We got in down that left-hand side. Uh, Townsend won us a corner. And from the corner, um, the keeper comes out. Hamer, as you mentioned, Mike, he's... Um, not had the best of games, and he is a very, very weak punch straight to the head of, um, of James Tompkins. He heads it down. It's actually Kelechi Inacho who's back there to clear it off the line uh, and and save a, a certain goal for Leicester. But I wonder, Simon, did you see what I saw in the uh, in, with that punch, which was a little a certain James MacArthur coming running off the line and a little shove in the goalkeeper's back on the blind side of the ref. I did see that. I, I just, I just every time I see MacArthur, I think he's a legend. He becomes more of a legend every time I uh, see him. His work rate is amazing. But no, I, I did spot that one. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Sorry, I'd gone on mute and was drinking my cocktail and I forgot that I had to speak again. I apologise. <laughs> Simon, you were, you were concise with your answer and I'm not used awesome. to it. Awesome. 
I just thought it was a profound point. I thought it had gone silent. Everyone yeah, was taking it in. We were all considering it. <laughs> I don't think there's any more to say other than that. I think you've, you've, you've certainly made it clear. DR, I don't think you've got anything to add on that at all, have you? No, it was, it was, it was a great header from Tompkins. There's nothing much mm. you can really do. Um, it was you have to give credit to Inacho. It was just a great, a great clearance. But we started the game off um, re- very well, as you said. From the was it left hand side uh, mm-hmm. where Ruben was playing, we was dominating that dominating that half of the pitch, and he was working re- very well in the first half. Yeah, um, I'm just thinking that now. I've got to get into a point where almost certainly going to make myself unpopular. But before I do that, just a couple of comments coming in from Facebook. Uh, Steve Wick, still buzzing from yesterday's win. Jason Rourke just says, Eagles! This was a snake at the end of the Eagles. And Scott Barnes says, apart from the 5-0, did you guys have anything good for lunch today? Um, I have anything good for lunch today. Uh, did I have for lunch? Oh, no, I had Sunday lunch with my, with my parents. It was very nice. Um, a little bit of gammon, it was. Speaking of food, Chris, um, yeah. I have to I have to put my marathon performance down to one thing and one thing only, and, and that is the potato waffle sandwich. Yeah, it was it was the most amazing sandwich I think I've ever had, and I'm I, I'm just trying to get it in every week if I can now with yeah. a bit of bacon, bit of brown sauce. You're absolutely right. Listen, I, you're not the first person whose life's been changed by a potato waffle sandwich. Producer Mikey, uh, he used to eat some. I introduced him a couple of years ago to those. So um, they're, uh, yeah, they're an important carb-based uh, meal. I've got, uh, I've got a nice pack of potato waffles sitting in my freezer. Can't wait. So there you go. That answers that question. Uh, and if you haven't tried the potato waffle sandwich, it isn't any food sandwich between waffles. That's insane. It's two bits of bread with a cooked potato waffle in the middle. All right. So get get working on it. Um. Rick Winter uh, felt Hennessy shouldn't uh, shouldn't never have passed Sacco the ball in the first place. That side felt Wayne played very well. Kylie definitely improved him, in my opinion. And Daniel Apoku has Tim Fosu-Mensa gone back to Man United? Uh, don't believe so. I don't believe so. He was on the uh, what do they called it? The thing outside, <laughs> the thing outside the ground that happens before the game. Uh, yeah, that's it. Fan zone. He was in that. He was in that. I thought. So, no, he's, he's still at Palace, as far as I know. Um, anyway, that was a brief break <laughs> to, to, uh, to check with your contact. Um, so the very next thing that happened after we had that, that corner chance was what I consider to be Leicester's last chance of the game, um, of any real note. And that was... Um, so this little drive through the middle, ball ends up with, with Mares, who, you know, big... big Good movement ahead of him, and eventually he finds Ianacho in a little pocket of space ahead of the defence. Uh, he plays in Vardy, who, you know, in, in typical style, is very, very quick on onto the ball, beats Wayne Hennessy with a shot, and it's a fantastic block off the line from Joel Ward. But, of course, those who've watched it back will know that it was Joel Ward who played him onside. And I thought Ward actually struggled in the first 15 minutes, and I know he gets bit of grief particularly off of this show we're often highlighting his his errors and you know i think he's he's had a bit of stick last week um but listen he had a very good performance like everyone else just i just thought in the first few minutes a lot of his passes went astray and he just seemed to be struggling that a little bit more than everyone else and it kind of culminated in that moment and it, it turned his game and perhaps changed the game itself by making that fantastic clearance off the line um and mike it was a, it was a hugely important moment in the game wasn't it 
Yeah, it was. When you when you watched it back, I guess everyone's watched the highlights on every single medium they can. Um, <laughs> I, I, you notice he's offside. Um, no, he's playing him onside, sorry. And then B, you notice that he probably didn't know that much about it when the ball hit him on the line as well. But um, in real time, it looks absolutely incredible. Um, and then in terms of him struggling the first few minutes, he had he had to deal with Damari Gray and Ben Chilwell, who seemed to, well, it, it looked as though the first few minutes he was going to have a blinder of a game. So really, he had the lion's share of what stuff to deal with in terms of creativity from Leicester. Um, and he, he he did well enough. Um, the, the issues I've always had with him about him letting cross his fruit, yeah. he, he, that, that didn't seem to happen yesterday. There wasn't a great amount of examples, but a, a couple of times, it, you know, he, he seemed to stop stuff dead before, before a cross could come in. And that is something that usually with Wolves earlier in the season I had issue with. Um, so, yeah, the... Did- he has a tough old time, but I, I, I thought he did all right. Do you not feel that? I mean, I say this is this is again early on, and I dare want to jump in on this, but I felt very early on he um he he kind of was the reason a couple of moves down the right hand side broke down, and obviously we ended up focusing down the left, and it's because he does he does a very good job of getting himself and making himself available. But I find as soon as the ball kind of hits his feet, I just think there's this level of indecision, and quite often he likes to play the sort of pass down the line, if you like. But too often it's either it's poorly weighted or or you know it's it's just not you know the person he's playing it to isn't quite anticipating it. Yeah. I can't um, remember if it was Townsend or MacArthur, but there was a beautiful move um, that had gone through four or five players, and then he just played a badly weighted pass, and that was the end of the move. Um, and it was just going to be on the edge of their box, last man. I think it was Townsend, um, and it was just a, a really poor pass. But yeah. sometimes all you need is. is Someone just defending. I'm not, I'm not sure we even needed a, a, another sort of wing back style player yesterday because it was all being covered down the left. So yeah, yeah, it certainly wasn't critical to the game, and I thought it was interesting to see. I mean, Kabai was incredibly animated in the first half, trying to get Ward to look up, and look at him to play the ball inside and stop going down the line all the time. And I think they very much fixed that in the second half, which was great to see. Um, so it's great to see the players noticing something and trying to fix it during the course of the half. And they say definitely fixing it at, at half time. Dear. Yeah, I think the problem with Joe Ward is that um, he needs MacArthur by him at all times, but especially when defending. I, I, I have a feeling, you know, when he goes one v one defending, I think he struggles in. And having Maka there, he helped him out quite a bit yesterday as well. And that's 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 really the downside with Wan Bissaka. I feel like if there is one v one situations, from what we've seen so far, he has dealt with them pretty well. But with Wardy, that's a problem. And let's say next week against Stoke, Stoke's going to be hugely up for it and they're going to be hammering down going forward and trying to get all them goals. It'll be interesting to see how he plays um, as if Maka does not sport him. If Maka sports him, he plays well, but that's the liability. We need Maka next to him at all times. That's what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you're right. I, mean, I think any player needs a degree of options around him, you know, and, and Ward, I think... I think he does he does suffer from a bit of a lack of that at times, so you're right, it is important to get MacArthur inside him. Simon, anything to add on this before we get into the fun part? I was just gonna say that I think, you know, everyone everyone accepts Ward's greatest spell with us was under Pudis when he was told just literally stay in one position and defend and, and you know he hasn't got that ability going forward. And I think Wambasaka definitely has to be the starting right back next season. But I always remember, you know, that block off the line reminded me of the one he did in the last minute against Watford at Wembley. And people often forget that with all Spironi saves and Phillips penalty. But if it wasn't for that, you know, who knows what would have happened. 
So uh, uh, still a legend for me, for that sake. Uh, you, you think he's played a, a, an incredible amount of games for, for us, um, you know, not just in the Premier League, way before that as well. He's been a tremendous servant for us. So it's, you know, certainly not an, an attempt to witch hunt, but at the same time, you want to see your, your team as strong as it can be in all areas, I think. And, um, yeah, it's just the, the focus of, of us happens to be on him at the moment, but I'm sure it'll be someone else soon enough. <laughs> um, and, and I was I was thinking, you know, because I know what the, the rumour is that the reason why he's been dropped is because he, a lot of the players are about to do a lot of on-field coaching um, during the game, and Hodgson said they haven't got the time and space to do that, you know, the important time of the season. But that's what Punchin does. So maybe bring Punchin back just to stand there and... Uh, Help one Bissaka because he's good at pointing and, and um, directing. <laughs> he is extremely good at that. Uh, no, but the, the weird, the funny thing is, you mentioned punching. He's obviously he's only, you know, he's been out for a little bit of injury. But uh, one of the program managers on, on Love Sport uh, was arriving back at the station just as we were leaving on Thursday, and he'd just spoken to to Jason Punchin and told us. Um, you know, so he's spoken to Punchin about us, and Punchin sent sent us his best, which was nice. Cheers, Punch. But also. Um, that, uh, that he was hoping that he'll actually be be back and maybe ready for a little cameo right at the very last game of the season, which I think would be extremely nice if that was to happen. Not that I uh, not that I suspect Roy's particularly keen on sentiment, <laughs> as we've seen, but <laughs> it would be nice to see him uh, get get a couple of minutes right at the end of the season. So, yeah, and like you say, he can he can certainly coach people through a game. <laughs> right, let's get into it. The fun part. So we've just got away with things, you know, got the wards cleared it off the line, had that little scare. I'm going back down the left-hand side. Loftus-Cheek sort of receives, receives the ball left-hand side, holds off two players, and that makes a third back to PVA. He first time passes it into Townsend, who flicks it to Loftus-Cheek. Little run from Loftus-Cheek, flicks it to Kabai, flicks it to MacArthur, back heels to Zaha, smashes it home. Can we think, gentlemen, of a better team goal that Palace has scored in recent history? I am absolutely stumped. It was it was brilliant to watch. I haven't asked anyone specifically, so now they don't know who needs to talk. <laughs> Go on, dear. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic. And Loftus Sheik yesterday was absolutely like you know he was on point. His game was perfect, and throughout the game, he on the left hand side he was dominating it. And yeah, as you say, it was a fantastic goal. And it seemed like we definitely worked on that on the training ground because last week when we went Watford away, um, we were just lacking going forward, and there's no creativity. However, this week the first goal, the second goal, even the third goal is a great pass and great movement by Ruben Loftus-Cheek. There was that attacking sense that we didn't have against Watford. So, yeah, so it worked out pretty well. On our day, we can be lethal like that. And it was a great goal. Simon, it was just quick, wasn't it? Really, really fast movement. And you think, you know, we're wondering about when we play this way, whether we're going to get enough people in the box. And all of a sudden, we had six people in the box at the end when the ball goes in. Oh, it was it was awesome. I mean, you had you had Kabai and Zaha waiting for the ball at that point, you know, with, with the option of scoring at the end of it. It was so quick, and I think any team would have struggled to keep up with that pace. It was like watching City today. You know, the, the way they moved the ball was very similar to, to what, what we did today, and that's yeah, you know, a massive compliment. But but I, I was worried before the game. I was a little bit apprehensive. You know, I, I said I live up here, I get a lot of stick from people at work if we lose. But, you know, in the local papers and everyone's talking about their manager going and now they're on the beach and they're not interested. And and, and actually, they, they were nowhere near Zaha. And you look at what Watford did last week and they put two or three people on him. And, yeah. and as I said, they just weren't interested. 
No, that's a very, very good point. I mean, Wolf had a, a tremendous game, and we could say that about you know the whole team really. But he in particular was was excellent all game, and it's just it was just a surprise to me that you know he didn't score any further goals in the game, although he did have a really strong other chance. So, Mike, as as, a, as far as a move goes, I'm going to give you a chance to see if you can think of another goal of that level that we've scored. You know, a team goal. Well, I, I think it's out of all of our comfort zones, isn't it? Like. You must have been scratching your head yesterday, thinking, "How am I going to describe this in in the in in the show?" Like, that's not something you're used to talking about, is it? That that, that kind <laughs> of move, not not from Palace. Maybe if you were trying to talk around a Man City goal this season, um, it was just amazing. I I, I think probably Loftus Cheek's part in it was the most impressive because there was three guys on him at, at one point. I didn't really take take it in at the time watching the replays you know he, he's a beast of a man and then with, without him obviously that goal wouldn't have happened um, I, I don't even know what to say on it that you just you might as well just watch it 10 times just just make your own conclusions about how amazing it is I can't think of a, a better goal than you've scored in the time I've been watching Palace I've watched it about 20 times. It's unbelievable. It really is. And the thing that impresses me the most is just the whole team movement. Like you say, Loftus Chi, you can pick him out. And, you know, we've, we've seen flashes throughout the season of how good he can be. But that was def- that was his best game for Palace. You know, it was, I think the, the speed of his feet is what surprised me the most. He just seems to have got himself up to speed, up to form, free of injury, right at the, at the perfect moment. It's not that quick, like pace-wise, but feet-wise, yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, you go back to players who used to be sort of, you know, super quick feet. I can think of his Beardsley always used to scare the hell out of me when I was not just because of his face, but just because of um, <laughs> just how fast his feet were, even in, in the latter part of his career at uh, sort of Everton and Newcastle before Liverpool. It's that type of ability. I think Loftus Cheek's got that. It's um, it's quite frightening, deal. It'll be interesting to see what we do in the summer because um, Chelsea are known to loan players out and then sell them for for a cheap price. Nathan Aki, he got sold, I think, for 20 million. I think that's decent. Chalaba got sold for like 5 million. So it'll be interesting to see what we do in the summer because I think we should go and buy him. He's still very young, but got huge talent, as we saw yesterday. And it's not only yesterday, before his injury, he showed that as well. So in the summer, it's one of them players that I think we should go and push to try and buy. Well, the funny thing is, is the World Cup, you know, it, it, it seems, I mean, te- uh, Southgate was there watching him um, yesterday. And, you know, you, you think, you look at the the fact that people like Livermore have been being picked for England. You look at, you look at, um, Loftus Cheek and the one performance he had was man of the match for England. You think he's, you know, he's definitely going to go to the World Cup. You, you can't see anything else. And I think, unfortunately for us, that's a bit of a setback um, in, our, in our hope to get him. You know, first and foremost, there's a lot of people who believe he could do a job at Chelsea, uh, but possibly not behind the scenes, which might might help us out. And like you say, they might be willing to sell. But, you know, if he goes to the World Cup and impresses, we're going to really, really struggle. Um, not only to, to pay enough for him, because I think there'll be a lot of people in for him, but I think uh, there'll be a, you know, really, really big interest. I think the one thing that might help us if he is available um, is the fact that he's had such a good time on loan. He's really settled in. He's, he's gelled with all the players. They seem to like him. He's a South London boy. He's, you know, there's all those things that are, are a positive. Um, and I think the last time he was questioned on it, I think the first time he was questioned on it, he said he just, you know, end of the season, as far as he's concerned, he's back to Chelsea trying to win a place there. The last time he was questioned, he said 
you know, don't know. We'll see what happens. So that that's me wishful thinking that it's moving towards a move to Palace. But you know, I think we will definitely try and make it happen. If not permanently, another another season on loan. But we'll have to see if that's a, a possibility possibility or not. As we're talking about him, um, Simon, want to add anything regarding Mister Loftus Cheek? I was going to say we have to make him a key transfer target for the summer and it's a shame really because I think if Conte had been staying and if he stays I think we'd definitely be in with a shout but I think a new manager would want to you know, either put him out on loan again or bring him back to have a look at him before they let him go. Yeah, definitely. You'd certainly well. You know, there's not too many players of his type. He's well, must be six foot two, nearly six foot three. Looking at him when he's standing alongside certain other players. You know, compl- he's playing obviously out of position. But playing brilliantly, um, you know, there's only one real weakness in his game, and that's his sort of willingness to track back and, and you know run backwards. Um, and that doesn't really matter the way we're playing him. So I think at the moment we're we're a great environment for him to be playing in. Still, and I, I, oh. yeah, quickly, yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, quickly, um, in his post-match interview uh, with Palace, uh, Palace TV, he actually talked about that. He actually. When he when he was questioned about Maka, he was like, um, Maka's really great for us. He loved tracking back and I'm trying to learn one or two things from him. So never know in the future, hopefully, if he develops that side of the game, if he follows James MacArthur, um, he can be in tremendous play even going back. So Yeah. yeah. yeah good shout out there. So Simon, you were saying? And I was going to say, it's painful watching Shearer say nice things about us now on Match of the Day. It's almost <laughs> like, he, it's like he has to do it. His face is twitching. He can't help himself, but he has to do it. And, um, and, but but seriously, you know, I'm listening to Loftus-Cheek on the Palace um, website. Actually, actually, I forgot he wasn't a left midfielder during the game. You know, you forget he's not a left winger. He was that good. And I think he himself, he said, you know, left wing is not my position, but I'm, I'm enjoying playing in it. And it's just willingness to try what Hodgson's asking him to do. I th- you know, genuinely, I think he's, he's got to be a number one signing target for us. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed that that happens. You know, he, to be as influential on a game as he was um, yesterday, was, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. And like I say, for me, I look at him and I just think he's a unique type of player. I don't think there's anyone else quite like him. Um, you know, it's the kind of way I felt about, I still feel about Wilfred Zaha when I, you know, particularly when I was looking at him as a potential England international and before the uh, the switch happened, but. Um, you know, you, you kind of when you look at a player and you think there's no one who does exactly what he does, who has the kind of presence that he has on the pitch. And I think Loftus Cheek, it's very early days, you know, and he has had games where he's been pretty anonymous. But I think you know the signs are there that he's a, a very, very special talent. Um, the quicker, quicker Chelsea let go of him, the better. Otherwise, they'll ruin him. Um, so obviously, I mentioned that uh, shortly after the first goal, Zaha had an, another chance um, with a little deflection to him. Good sort of low down shot, well saved by uh, Hamer. Probably the best moment of the game for him. But it wasn't really too long after that that um, we went down that left hand side again. Loftus Cheek and Townsend combining again on that left, and then an overlap from PVA, who was once again excellent, crosses it into Wilf. Looks like he's trying to find Joel Ward on the overlap the other side, but MacArthur controls it with the left, spins, shoots it with the right bottom corner. Palace looking absolutely unstoppable at that moment, Mike. Yeah, and uh, just going back to the, the the shot that Zaha had saved by Hamer, and that literally was the only save he made in the game. Um, I think that that was started by Townsend as well, um, and Townsend's gone under the radar with the majority of the highlights that I've seen, and the majority of what people are saying. But he had a, he had a part to play in the second goal. Uh, he would have had a part to play in that if it had gone in as well. Um, I thought the second goal was 
equally as impressive. And and the, the sort of the MacArthur just turn and then knocking it in that was that was beautiful. If anything, I thought I haven't seen a better goal um, in recent memory. And then a few minutes later, whatever it was, forty minutes later, I saw one that I thought was equally as good. So <laughs> I, I, at that point, I thought I don't even know how I'm going to be able to commentate on this tomorrow and make any comments. <laughs> it, 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 it's just beyond expectation. Yeah, Simon went. You know, when obviously MacArthur struck that again, he's standing in the penalty area, and that shows that again tactically that we're working, aren't we? As in, he, he realizes that he's got a job to do because there's no one in the middle marking anyone that, that when we start that attack off. So he's doing a good job there, and you know, again, fitting for MacArthur, who had an, another one who had an absolutely superb game. He was awesome, and he's also really, you know, he's an intelligent player. He's, he, you know, he's not the quickest as Ruben. I think Ruben said that as well. He said MacArthur's not the quickest, but but his reading of the game allows him to be in the right position. And that turn on the ball and, and to put it into the bottom corner, it, it was just, you know, m- most strikers can't finish like that. It, it, it was awesome, and he was brilliant again. I just, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm struggling to kind of think of, of a time where he was more influential. I know, he, you know, MacArthur's. He's kind of, it's weird, he's changed as a player. When we first bought him, he was really strong for us and it was the whole box-to-box energy thing. And then he dropped off a bit and a few people were kind of advocating selling him and saying he was sort of ineffective. But he's got this new lease of life in how we're playing now um, and he looks absolutely undroppable. And, and, you know, he's keeping out some ver- very, very good players and people talk about, you know, like Jairo Riedeveld, who can't even get looking on the bench anymore. It, you know, people, you, you look at that and you think, you know, what what you know? What are people going to do get, to get James McCarthy out of the side? He's just absolutely brilliant for us. Chris, is he is he extended his contract now? Then, yeah, I believe, and I think I can say this one. <laughs> so I got myself into trouble on several weeks. Anyway, <laughs> sorry everybody, sorry for that. But um, I think that there was a there was a tweet from a someone in the MacArthur camp who revealed that he had a, had extended his contract or had more time on his contract. It was then subsequently deleted, but not before a fair few people spotted it. So I think we're safe in saying that it's, um, it is the case that he's, he's extended his contract. Good news, eh, dear? Yeah, it's good news. <laughs> um, as you saw, as you saw yesterday, um, not even yesterday, it's just Mako is just in general, his, his energy levels, every player praises it and the fans praise it as well. Up and down the pitch, 90 minutes, don't run out of energy. So it is definitely a player that we need to keep. Um, he can come off the bench as an impact player or he can start. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very good news for the club. Absolutely right. And, um, obviously, I think now the, uh, the safety's out of the way. We'll st- I don't know, club have not, have not really been announcing contract stuff other than the Wan-Bissaka deal, which I think had, had to be announced. But I think there's, they've been very, very quiet on things. Um, but I think hopefully the, a bit more detail will come out of that now we're now we're safe in the league. So, Dale, you want to speak again? Um, yeah, you had a bit of incorrect. We're not safe yet. <laughs> we're right, not safe yet. We, we are. We just are. So if we go down, what happens? Uh, Mike, you want to jump in there? <laughs> Yeah, we've all been thinking that as well. We've all seen the tweet of the uh, the guy that's worked out every possible scenario for us going down. <laughs> um, no, just on MacArthur, the one thing I, I do find odd, considering he's been solidly one of the most important players for us this season, right back, I think, was it was it Ipswich in the Caribou Cup when he scored two like in the second half and then we ended up winning after turning it around 2-1? He, he's been, I think it was Ipswich, yeah. Yeah, he's been great since then. 
I, I still don't think Scotland are selecting him for games. Um, so I don't know what he's got to do. I don't know. I don't know who he's got to service in order to to get himself a place. With yeah, I them, think but... maybe we've benefited from that because obviously he was being we was being selected. But um, it's, I, I I know that um, who was it took over Scotland? My brain's gone completely. What since Strachan left? Yeah. Um, Oh, anyway, whoever it was, I read an interview with them, <laughs> and they uh, they were saying that they were they really wanted um, to basically uh, sort of start again with Scotland, if you like, and build a team over a number of years. So they were kind of ruling out certain um, players of a certain age, if you like. Well, that's to our or massive advantage, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it, if he's going even further under the radar, that's 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 great for us. Yeah, I'm not googling the Scottish Scotland national team at all, <laughs> just to find out. <laughs> Alex McLeish, there you go. Yeah. Oh, God. So anyway, yeah, like you say, that our uh, their losses are gained for sure. Um, so anyway, two 0 up, um, absolutely cruising. I think fair to sum up the rest of the half. It was a bit of a a non-event off that. I mean, we were playing some good football, good good degree of possession. Um, I think Leicester started to put a little bit of pressure on us towards the end of the half, and there was a little bit of uh, worry, a couple of consecutive corners towards the end of the half. And I think we felt at one stage, you're thinking, oh, just hang on, don't let them get anything back before half-time. But they didn't. Uh, came out in the second half. Well, actually, let's talk about half-time. So at half-time, this is where we get into my sort of confessional, if you like. Which um, and I, you know, I was ultimately proved incredibly incorrect with this. But from from half time to around the sixty minute mark or so, I was getting increasingly fed up. So at half time, I felt we we did well to get in there, but I suspected what we'd see was a couple of Leicester changes, either tactically or or personnel or both, and and we, and we did see that. And I felt that the start of the second half, you know, I thought. Well, we've, we've, we should be adapting here. We need to, we need to change something because we've just come out and we tried to play the same way and we're not looking quite as effective here. This was very early on in the, in the half. Now, obviously certain events happened throughout that period, which changed my reasoning, but still made me want to, <laughs> want to see some changes. So, for example, when they were a man down and we're attacking, I just think it's crying out. Give Ben Teke and Serloff together a half hour up top. Get Juan Pasaka back on the pitch. Get him a half a half hour or so, or get get someone playing. Do something else. This game is won. We don't have to worry about it. We're playing against ten men. So why on earth are you not making any changes, Roy? And I was getting really angry about it. Now, does anyone? I'll start with you, Simon. Understand where I'm coming from? Oh yeah. I mean, I I was fuming. I just I just I seriously was starting to believe your theory, Chris, that you'd forgotten that we've moved on from one substitute that you can use three. Because uh, I was thinking, make the change, make the change. And I, I was really, you know, I really thought they're going to score a goal. I thought Leicester were going to score a goal. I predicted 2-2 and I thought, I, I didn't think they'd go down to 10 men. And I thought, they get 2-2 now, I'm going to be fuming. But um, no, I, I, I think the only thing was in our favour was obviously that Ndidi injury after a few minutes, which meant that he had to use his final final uh, substitution. And it really affected the balance of the game for them, I think. It, it meant that they they didn't have anyone in that middle holding things together. That's a really good shout. The indeed the injury did, did make a huge difference. Um, but I, I suppose get your views on it. DR. We've talked about it quite a lot. Um, you know, the lack of substitutions, but ultimately Roy's proven correct. I guess that, you know, he stuck at it, stuck with the same team and we eventually got some momentum going and then overran. And by the time the, the subs did come on, 
uh, they still got a little benefit anyway. So Roy proven correct, Chris proven wrong. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, um, I think uh, us not using substitutions at that time was uh, was good, in fact, because it could have changed the balance of the game. When we did put on Benteke afterwards, the game was pretty much done. So it it gave Benteke a more like freedom. It gave Changi a bit of more of a freedom. And who else came on? Because um, I know we use free. Benteke, Changi. We use free. Do we? I'm pretty because. Why did I? I remember. Okay, I remember messaging you, or was it Mikey or something? Okay, Um, yeah. So it was. It was. I think put them on at that time uh, was. Yeah, Yeah, Jeff Slap. Because I was, I was actually like fascinated about the fact that we use three substitutions. We barely use one. So yeah, yeah, I think I think put them on at that time was was good because the game and game was over and done with, and it gave them much more freedom. Yeah, you're right. It, it did do that. I, I, you know, I still can't help feel that we'd have still won the game and, and might have seen a better benefit to our fringe players and give, give them a little bit longer. I mean, making a sub with the 10 minutes left in the game or five minutes left in the game does annoy me a touch. But, you know, ultimately, Roy has proved himself that, just, just, you know, well, he doesn't need to prove himself to me. You know, I mean, he's had a fantastic career in management, has done an amazing job this season. But, you know, he. he him and the, him and the staff proved they know what they're doing. You know, we ended up five nil winners. Um, so you know, nothing at all to complain about there. Um, as Simon said, the, the uh, Simon said <laughs> um, <laughs> the the first main event of the half really was indeed going off injured and shows a little bit that maybe the luck has has turned for us. And perhaps Mike a little bit more when we saw what happened with regards to the red card. I'll get your views on it first. So obviously, Kabai looping a ball up after clearance from a corner for a foot race between Wilfred Zaha and Michael Brighton. Um, and uh, he's got Brighton in his name, so no no coincidence that Wilf was terrorising him. But um, what was your view on the, the incident? Well, at the time, it, it just looked straight straight up a foul. Um, and I took it at face value. I thought Mike Dean missed one there, but fair to him, he just went over to his assistant, took his word for it, changed his opinion can't fault him for that watching the replays watching a bit more of the sort of narrative Markle Brighton's reaction and then Markle Brighton thinking well I'm going to get out of this by going well obviously Zahara always dives and then sort of (laughs) then giving him giving him a bit of abuse after he'd been sent off Um, initially it annoyed me initially it wound me up and then I thought Oh, this is beautiful. This is this is beautiful drama. Um, this guy's been sent off. He's so angry. Um, <laughs> he knows it's his own fault totally. Um, and then on the highlights, that even the I don't know which commentator it was. He's like, yeah, he's he's a good player, but he's had a mare. And <laughs> that's it. That that is exactly that sums up what happened totally. Um, it, you know, he, he misjudged it. That was it. It was it's funny to watch again, like you say, you you have a you have an opinion when you see it first hand and then when you go back go back home and watch the highlights or whatever and watch it again, you know, your opinion can change. And it's it's funny because I thought when I saw it first, I thought I oh, he's been such an idiot there because the ball was gonna go and reach the keeper before Will forget it. And I and I thought that, you know, that was a definite and it was one of the stupidest fouls I've ever seen. And it but when you actually, um, I think Goals and Sunday did a really good analysis of it because they showed where the ball bounced. 
Um, yeah. And it was pretty clear that had Wilford carried on at full pace, he would easily have got it before the goalkeeper. Yeah, there's no way the keeper would have got that. I mean, again, at the time, I, I, I thought, well, he's been silly there. Like, I would have thought he'd be all right, but there was no chance in hell. Like, Zaha would have been there way before the keeper. And but, judging him by the rest of the game, I don't think it mattered how slow the player was when they got their first <laughs> But before I pass it on to DR for comment, I will make one thing that makes me feel almost sorry for him, except that I don't care, and I think it's funny, um, is that the first bit of contact is Wilf, who puts his arm on O'Brien's shoulder just as he goes to play it back to the keeper. And it's that bit of contact that kind of sparks the kind of what I'll call a sort of a spasm, if you like, from, from Albrighton, where he gets pulled back, shins the ball, and then grabs Zaha all in the same motion. And it all happens, obviously, in a fraction of a second, because it's slow motion. It looks like one event happens after the other, and blah, 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 blah. It, does, it all happens pretty much at the exact same time. But if you're looking at milliseconds of it, it's actually Wilf who does make that first little contact, first little pullback on his shoulder. But you know, at the end of the day, you've got to be stronger than, than O'Brien was. So and there's certainly no foul there for me until O'Brien gets his arms around Will's waist and brings him down. Deserve red card, definite sending off. And there we go. They are. Did anyone uh, else notice that Mike Dean was, I don't think he was initially going to give it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. off to the liner. And yesterday, you know, even though he might not, uh, even though he needed liner's help for that, I think Mike Dean had a, had a good game. All the officials had a good game. So hats off to the officials for that because last week when me and you went to Watford away, it was one of the worst refereeing performances I've ever seen. Like they beat Plattenberg. So yeah, hats off to the officials. Yeah, I mean, I know it was easy to say after a 5 0 win, but it did feel an awful lot like, you know, much more logical kind of refereeing display from an experienced ref. Uh, like you say, backed up by his officials. It did feel a, feel a lot better. Simon, your views on that sending off? I was going to say he 100% wasn't going to give that and, and I, we were fuming in the stands in the halfway thinking he's not going to give that he's not going to give that and, you know, hats off to Lino as DR said I think I was just going to say I felt sorry for Albrighton although I said I don't really care but he's a right winger he's not a right back and that was one of the I had the pleasure of listening to the Leicester fans phone in with the father-in-law all the way back to Leicester who's a massive Leicester fan it was slightly awkward it was slightly awkward slash really amusing <laughs> and and they, and they were they were laying into PR. I mean, they, they all thought he'd be gone that evening. They were proper, you know. They had to basically the bleeping machine was out on force, and um, they were they were you know really complaining about all Brighton who who's playing a, a right back and he's never played there before really. And and they they were saying how awful he was. But as I said, um, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I mean, yeah, it's just, your sympathy goes only so far, doesn't it? And as you That's say, it. there's that, that little bit of shade and frowner from listening into other. Fans. And shows or reading their forums it's always good fun perhaps i haven't done that i must go read a leicester forum after the show <laughs> just to uh cheer myself up um now it's it's you know i mean it, that that's game over at that point and i'll be honest that's from that point onwards i'm actually waiting for the subs and i was getting a little bit agitated but i think up until you know what is it 80 81 minutes i think it is when we, we see the next major incident we just controlled the game really well and and i have to admit in, in hindsight despite the fact that at the time i was like say screaming for a sub i thought it was really nice to watch a palace team just control a game kind of pick their moment and just you know leicester were, were work, working hard still to get back in it you know it's obviously only two nil at the time they're not dead and buried they're just feeling a bit sorry for themselves. And we just took the moment to sort of adjust to 
how they how they rejigged their formation because I think initially they were they had Harry Maguire in midfield, but eventually he dropped into a back three and all that kind of stuff. I think we just waited sort of better, you know abiding our time a little bit until we completely completely had the running of them, and then we had that beautiful moment where Sacco plucks the ball out of the air on the chest. Um, does his little run forward? Does run quite a weird way. So he really does. It's just entertaining to watch this sack. Um, and an absolutely beautiful pass for what was a great run from Ruben Loftus Cheek. Just actually turned on the afterburners at the exact right moment. Picked out perfectly. Rounds the keeper. And you know, there's a player who deserved a goal. Uh, it's Ruben Loftus Cheek, though, wasn't it? That, that third goal. Yeah, you're right. He, he had a fantastic performance and um, he deserved that goal. He, he was, it, was, it was just one of them games where if he didn't get a goal, he'll be disappointed and we'll be disappointed as well because uh, there was there was a massive opportunity there and he took it. And it was a great finish, to be fair. He kept his calm and he managed to put it right past the goalkeeper. So, yeah, hats off to Ruben. Hats off to Ruben indeed. Yeah, I was. I, was I, I missed. I missed the mouse button. It happens at times. I was just reading reading some other bits of my notes. <laughs> Sorry, they were interesting. Um, so obviously we've talked about how well Ruben played, and we, you know, again how much we we want him to be signed. And um, but let's let's take the opportunity to talk out talk about how well another player played. So um, it was another good movement, and uh, ended up with at the feet of Wilfred Zaha. Plays in Jeffrey Schlupp, who's done really well to come back. Um, you know, from from a second bad injury, get himself back in contention again. Uh, he runs through, would have absolutely loved a goal against Leicester, but it's well saved by Hamer. Goes straight out to Patrick Van Arnholt. Lovely first time, curled right-footed finish into the bottom corner. And Simon, Patrick Van Arnholt, I mean, you can tell he was excited because he was all over Twitter for the entire evening, <laughs> just getting overexcited and tweeting various people, retweeting everybody, you know, just talking about how happy he was, how great he feels, his sort of partnership down the left with Wilf is, all this kind of stuff. Um, but he has gone from a player that we, you know, we, we kind of, I wouldn't say, I mean, I was certainly on this show, I was infuriated by him as much as I was impressed by him. Um, you know, week by week, he used to wind me up with his positioning sense and, and his inability to run back when he'd gone forward and all this sort of stuff. He has transformed into a solid left back who is fantastic going forward. And he has been, for me, he's been the, the, the biggest sort of shift of, of my opinion of a player in possibly ever. And, uh, you know, that's, that's how I, how much I, I think he's changed about yourself. I agree entirely. I think I think he was, he was brilliant again yesterday, and then also I think hats off to Ray Lewington and to Roy for for improving his you know, positional sense. And I always remember that podcast he did in the back on the car on the way back from the Bristol City game. And I thought there'd be no way back for him after that. You know, the reviews yeah. of him oh. were absolutely appalling. But his transformation has been amazing. But there's one thing I point out in that goal, and no one seemed to mention it on on social media. And he's, I mean, Patrick Van Arnold's on Twitter more than I am, which I thought was impressive. But um, he 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 basically said um, it was interesting because Luca was having a right go at him just before he scored that goal, and him and Luca were well, yeah, it was a massive argument, which yeah, Luca was basically about his positional sense and saying, I think there was Leicester chance just before we scored that yeah. goal and Luke was going absolutely berserk at him. And, and I thought to myself, that's just made my man crush with Luca go even, you know, even more truly <laughs> on the pitch. Um, but no, I think he's been brilliant. As I said, he's really grown into palace and, and I think he, he's taken that number one spot, to be honest, in terms of uh, left back position. 
Sorry, I've just in our chat, which you can't see, Simon, Mikey's going absolutely mad because he doesn't like anyone else having a man crush on Luca. <laughs> Whoops, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to watch what you say. <laughs> but no, you, you're absolutely right. Mike, what were your views on, on, on PBA's game overall? He's so angry that he's put stuff in, in capitals there. Oh, he really is. He's so fuming. Not even an exclamation mark or a smiley. He's de- genuinely furious. That's my yeah. whole life over. Yeah. Um, I, I, really early on, I noticed there was a move. Um, PVO was, was pretty far up the pitch. And then he didn't track back in any way. Um, it was a fairly quick break. Ended up via Mahrez. Um, and it was it, it was just the three others at the back, um, no PVA, and that I made sure I made a note of that because I thought, well, you know that that bit of his game still needs ironing out. Um, but w- with a game like yesterday, when they didn't really create a lot, um, PVA can very easily look very impressive. Um, you know, he's great going forward, um, so it, it plays to his strengths. Um, I think last the end of last season. If you take from probably about the point where we got that really important three points against Middlesbrough, that one nil win that took us out the bottom three, I think that, and any scored a goal. Um, I think at that point, I was already absolutely adamant that he was the right man for the job. And he, I feel like he had a blip earlier this season, but he's just getting back to how he was. I don't think he's getting to new heights. I think he's just seeing Hodgson's getting out of him what Allardyce got out of him. Um, he is, he's a decent defender. He's got his faults and he's still working on them. And he's obviously a man that he's trying to work on his problems. Um, but I think Schlupp's going to have a hell of a time getting him out of the team. Well, I know, well, I know towards the end of uh, Allardyce's spell as Palace manager, what he, what, I was party, party to someone who, uh, well, someone revealed something that Allardyce said about Patrick Van Arnold to me um, with regards to his. Uh, should we say ability to wander around the pitch and forget what he was supposed to be doing? Um, it wasn't it wasn't too complimentary, but um, yeah, I think you know that's always that's always been a weakness of his. But I, I do feel it's lessening. I'm interested to see that you you spotted one in the game. I, I didn't, which shows you were paying more attention than I did. So uh, well done on that one. But um, he, he's certainly, like I say, for me, he's a player who's completely changed my view of him. And like you say, it's interesting to see where Jeff Schlupp fits in now, although. You know, he had been playing that left-hand side where, where Loftus-Cheek was, um, you know, while Loftus-Cheek was out. So, yeah, um, but that's that's the beauty of having a squad and having people fit, I guess, and pushing each other, yeah, uh, which I, is what we were saying. The thing I would say is that that's, that's really quite a minor thing to get out of his game. I know it, it causes massive problems, but, um, you know, it's something that people can keep telling him about day in, day out, until it goes in the same way as Townsend's was told to stop shooting, stop cutting inside at every possible opportunity. He got rid of it this season. I can see PVA doing that. And once he's done that, then he was a steal or whatever it was, 12, 12 million. I mean... Oh, for sure, yeah. Well, and obviously, he's, he's you know, back in the Holland squad as well now uh, under Ronald Koeman, which, which shows you that you know his performances have been recognised because they're not short of a decent player or two. Right, final major moment in the game and one that I can't wait to talk about, gents. It was the... That was it. Was the moment that the fans, the players, the coaching staff, everyone came together and and just had this beautiful moment. Ben Teke had obviously come off the bench, uh, chased chased the ball into the box that you know was was pushing him wide anyway. Won the penalty. There's no two ways about it. He definitely waited for the challenge, knocked the ball to the one side at the last moment, and took the foul. 
you know, that's that's winning a penalty. Didn't dive, took the took the challenge, but it's it's you know, it's the closest thing to a dive without being a dive. But there you go. Harry Maguire shouldn't have made the challenge. Did we get the penalty? And straight away the instruction comes in from the bench. But I think the fans were already ahead of it, and I think the players were half ahead of it already. Going to give the ball to Christian Benteke, and you know, as much as he slips as he takes it, he does do it. He does the Lucas style, doesn't he? Two little hops, and then runs in. There's none of this sort of running in and then stuttering the run up like he'd done before. Smashed it down the middle, and everyone went absolutely mad. Um, just a beautiful moment, and, and Simon, I'll, I'll start with yourself on that. Um, it just it, just special, wasn't it? it? It definitely was special, and I think Benteke's honest program notes. He was really honest in the program and said that he's trying. You know, he's working his socks off, and it's just not. You know, it's just not happening for him this year, and it's not for want of effort. And and I, I genuinely think, and I, I know a lot of people have said this that, and I know we pay him to score goals, but his hold up play and his link up play has been he's been very very good this season. And I was up at Huddersfield earlier on in the season when we tore them apart. Well, I didn't didn't make it home because the snow nearly it was awful, but <laughs> they were all they were awesome. And and he, and he you know clearly was is pulling together the team. He's very popular, and I felt it felt you know just a great moment. And I was so glad he didn't score, even though he slipped. And I thought, oh no, he's going to miss it when he slipped. But um, no, it was great. It was it was a fantastic moment. And they are this sort of sums up for me the difference between should we say the sort of online presence of a supporter and what actually happens at games because pretty much to a man the stadium stood and and, and sort of sung his name in support um you know if you were to believe the kind of percentages that float around on on twitter and facebook and what have you everyone hates him and you know didn't want him anywhere near the team but you see it at ground that you know the Palace support is, you know, they support their own, and Christian Benteke is one of our own. And again, special moment. My heart melted. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, why am I so emotional? I'm still getting emotional about it now. The way it just happened, if you put the Titanic music over it, it would just be so great. Like the way, <laughs> honestly, the way that Luca gave the ball to Benteke and he just finished it. Oh, still now I feel like crying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I wasn't expecting a response from Dio. I was going to mention Mike, help me yeah. out here. Yeah? I've got me. I just come with a cry. Right, 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 right. Have your little cry. I mean, I was emotional, perhaps slightly less than Dio. Yeah, uh, it, it certainly, again, helped my uh, Luca Mancross. Apparently, Hodgson said it was initially. Sorry, Mikey. Um, it, it was initially um, the bench's idea that if Luca wanted to give the penalty up, he could. Um, and he did. Um, and apparently, he did it with a massive grin on his face. Um, so, he, he needs to take a decent amount of the credit. Um, the the whole thing was just like a little fairy tale, wasn't it? The little slide over, the little, the little slip as he went down. The sort of 10-second gap before he broke out a smile because he was trying desperately not to grin. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it was just beautiful. It just... It just it it capped what was a game that just was totally surreal. Like the whole thing, I couldn't really take in until so I got home and watched it eight times to work out that it actually happened. And that was yeah. just the perfect way to end it. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, for me, it was, I think the slip makes it, you know, it's kind of like, there's almost, there's almost this feeling when you watched it in slow motion as well, where he's just, he starts almost, there's almost a panic on his face as he starts to slip. But fortunately, the contact was already there. And like you say, he does. And I think this maybe doesn't do him any favours. He doesn't show too much emotion on the pitch, you know, particularly when he scores. Even when he was banging him in last season, you know, he very rarely did he smile and shout and scream. He's not like Will Free, 
you know, runs up to the crowd bouncing and sh- screaming and stuff like that, you know. He's always very cool and calm and collected afterwards. But people did sometimes take that. Did he do the finger point? Oh, no, they, no, none of that, no. But I just think, you know, I think people sometimes take that as him, him not caring, whereas it's just it's just his way, you know. Um, he clearly does care. In fact, you should watch him celebrate other people's goals. It's completely different. It's, it's very, very odd. But it was a, it was a fantastic moment for this, uh, you know, in a, in a in a great great match for us. Uh, go on, dear, quick. Um, yeah, quickly on Luca. Honestly, words can't describe how much like I've started to love him. Well, I've loved him, but it's it's gone to another stage. Um, reading Titanic music again? No, no, nah, nah, <laughs> we don't need it. We don't need Titanic music. Um, yesterday, the fact that he gave the penalty to Ben Seke, and also just not. Just not yesterday. I think it was uh, two weeks ago when we faced Brighton. He was getting frustrated that um, Wayne Hennessy. And what Luca does do is that he lets his frustrations known, but he turns his frustrations into support. So against Wayne, um, I remember he was like, "You, you stop kicking it that way," and he was getting angry. And but then afterwards, he praised him. He's like, "Go on, come on, Wayne." And he's that type of leader. So. I just want to say, if we get rid of Luca, then there's going to be massive riots outside Sellers Park. Because he's an absolute leader. He's a very, very good leader. Words can't describe it, <laughs> as you can see. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks. Um, okay, so, you know, 5 0 it was. A uh, fantastic game. Um, Simon, how on earth do we go about picking a man of the match there? Oh, it's really tough, isn't it? Because I, to a man, everyone, everyone deserves it even that man mountain Saka when he ran forward with that ball with the ball I couldn't believe how how strange it is watching him move forward he looks like he's almost too big to run to be honest but um <laughs> and, and if that had been Ericsson picking that pass out it'd been retweeted about a million times or if yeah. it had been you know um yeah, Salah or someone doing that but um for me I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Loftus cheek because I think he was at the heart of everything we did and his one touch passing and, and turning away from tight spaces was awesome so Loftus cheek for me Right, well, Mike, who was yours? Oh, that's tough. Um, I was doing the, the player ratings for um, Homestale uh, earlier, and I think I gave three players nine out of ten. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Jimmy Mack because um, I think he was absolutely everywhere um, early on. He was covering the space just in front of defence when it needed when it needed it. Um, he was. There for all of the all of the main attacks, um, and he just he run tirelessly as he always does. He doesn't get the credit he deserves, so I'm going to go with him. Fantastic. And Dr. Who was your man? Um, it has to be Ruben Loftus Cheek for me. He was running the game yesterday, and the goal, and the way he was involved in the first, and oh, I can't think off my head. Yeah, the first goal, the third goal, and then even. No, no, he was not involved. Second goal, yeah, but you know what I mean. He was involved. He was involved, and he was running the game for us yesterday. And he was the main man, and I have to give it to him, even though the majority of the players could have easily won it. Well, I've just jumped over to the ratings and reviews threads on the the BBS as a poll on it because I always like to see the percentages on that. Um, and I clicked Loftus Cheek because you have to vote to see. So mine was Loftus Cheek as well, but just. And in doing so, I've made it Loftus Cheek 155 votes. Tim MacArthur's 153, uh, with Zaha in third place and 128 votes. So 27%, 27.3% to Loftus-Cheek, 27% to MacArthur, and 22.5% to Zaha. So those were the, the top three, and then a few votes spread around for everyone else. But 
you know, just a, a very, very strong team display. I don't think anyone comes out of the game without a full amount of credit at all. And of course, the manager and coaching staff as well. Absolutely fantastic from them. That is us safe. <laughs> if anyone wants to argue it, they're welcome to join the insane people on Twitter. I know, we, and everyone goes, oh, remember Oldham. For those of you who don't remember Oldham, look up Oldham. <laughs> um, it wasn't fun. But, you know, look, we we we're, we are all but safe, and that's because of, you know, some, some of the teams have to play each other. You know, things like Huddersfield have to get four points out of, I think, is it Chelsea, City and United to go ahead of us. It's not just about you know, Southampton getting points, it's everyone else getting not getting the points as well. Because we're you know, we're in eleventh position now, aren't we? <laughs> After that. You know, we should be looking very much at winning our last two games, ending on forty four points and hoping that gets us in the top half of the table. And then what a season that will be. But uh Anyway, um, we've had a bit, a bit more contact because of the time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it there. Thank you to everybody who got in touch with the show today. All your views are appreciated, uh, and we read them all. just can't get to them all. Um, thank you, of course, to Simon for joining us for the first time. Cheers, Simon. It's been awesome. Um, happy to be back any time as well. Yeah, it'll be, be very nice. We'll get you back, I'm sure. Uh, we've also Thank you to Mike for stepping in at uh, short notice. Cheers, Mike. Pleasure. Thank you to DR, I guess, for getting emotional. It's dear dear it's made him more emotional. It oh, has, yeah. That was emotional, um, thought, wasn't it? It oh, was, yeah. Oh, if, wow. if people, if people haven't experienced dear dear yet. That's also on the Love Sports Show Thursdays seven to nine pm. <laughs> if you've got any issues you want dr to solve for you, and you know you've heard him, you know what he, you know what he's capable of. He can sort out all your problems. Let us know about those just go to horadio.net forward slash contact get in touch with us and give us your dear drs uh, was it last week you were solving aaron's problem um, oh yeah his mate wants to put vinegar on everything so you said take him to a park and look deep into his eyes or something it was um i'm not too sure about that one myself but anyway thank you also to mikey for producing um catch the preview show in midweek go to all our usual places to subscribe to that one and we'll be back sunday to review something else cheers bye Mark Bonici, brilliance like Billy Bean. Darren Radier, well, that was awesome. Luke Swales, we are staying up. Pete Norwood, Palace, it's never dull. Susan Edwards, just like watching Brazil. Trinia Forest, we were so good. Danny Tucky, eruptions for Ben's pen. Mike Brumpton, nearly in top half. Jimmy Dawes, absolutely unbelievable performance, that. Jan Nettles, best performance of the season. Chris Young, six in four midfielders. Chuck Mirrors, beyond my wildest imagination. Simon King, perfect performance, massive points. Mike Rochburns, managers... <laughs> He's laughing. <laughs> All right, let me say that again. <clears throat> Mike Rochburns. Manager <laughs> coaching. Felt. I need to get some ointment or something. Aaron Porter. Arise, Sir Roy Hodgson. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. 
Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.